Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the Scout UK podcast. I've got a, a very, very different cast to my usuals. It's going to be an AFCON pod today. Obviously, I said previously I can't talk about international football, but I lied. When it comes to AFCON, I'm there. Like, this is this is my home. This is AFCON ball. So, yeah, I've got a bunch of special guests here. Please, guys, do you want to introduce yourself? Let's start with Denz, please. Um, yeah, I'm Denzel. We'll see. I'm going here, so... Today's time on the pause a bit. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm ready to discuss AFCON. Let's get it, man. Good job. Yeah, well, I'm gone. Yeah, my name is Kojo, you know. I work in football, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Slim. Yo, I'm Slim. Uh, Nigeria, they carry last, but, you know, I'm out here. Um, yeah, I've seen how gone and done, so... Hopefully we can get into it. Let's do let's do some thinking, man. What actually went on with you, man, today? A lot, bruv. Ope. Yeah, hello. My name's Ope. I'm a Nigerian. Excited for tomorrow's game. And I was laughing when I saw the Ghana, the Ghana score. So, yeah, let's speak, let's speak for them, man, innit? And Eureka. Um, Hi, I'm Eureka. Um, I'm Angolan. Uh, obviously not in the competition, but I'm representing the Portuguese-speaking ones. So, yeah, here we are. Beautiful, man. And th- obviously, this is an AFCON pod, so obviously you have to have a bottle of Supermo with me. <laughs> this, is, this is how we got to do it, bro. Like, come on. Come but on. yeah, man, let's start opening opening ceremony. Wait, you haven't catched the opening ceremony? No. Somewhat, yeah. Actually, then, I watched like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I was hearing the ad break between the opening ceremony and opening games. So I'm like, yeah, this is this is how things are gonna start already, man. Uh, first game, Senegal, and ee, how can I forget already? Cameroon, Burkina Faso. Why is it Senegal? <laughs> Yo, man, you see who it is? Ghana's rattled. Ghana's rattled me. Ghana's rattled. Ghana's rattled me, bro. CTE. First game, Cameroon. Everyone, everyone caught that, yeah. Like, yeah. The scenes, yeah. the scenes have started. Twenty second yellow cards, some mad slides. What was you man's opinion? Because I thought that was a red. 100%. That's a red. That's hundred percent a red. That's hundred percent a red. Hundred percent a red. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. There's no. There's no way that's not a red card tackle. Like yeah. I'm seeing man's foot five meters up in the air. I'm like, yeah, man. There's. I don't know how he got away with that one. So yeah, for you man. Down this awful tackle. His when I saw the picture, I saw his arm <laughs> flat on the ground behind him. I said, Yeah, oh, man, yeah, so with him. This is this is serious, man. This is serious, but yeah, what, what was you man's thoughts on the first the opening game, anyway, man? Well, coming were underwhelming to be honest, they were far from like being what I expected to see at least. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they, they don't have that much of a Strong, what you what you would consider a strong squad, but yeah, they were they were pretty underwhelming. Just relying on those two penalties to scrap a win is just not as convincing. Yeah. But they went they went down first, didn't it? Like yeah, yeah. The first goal. yeah. Actually, Burkina Faso played a lot better in the first half. Yeah, at least attacking a lot better. And that's not even taking into account how many players Burkina Faso were missing, man. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, tap sober. He, he no, tells positive COVID. 
Yeah, there's, there's like, there's like, they had, because they had that whole scandal before the thing turned up. Because Triori was saying that basically, uh, I can't remember the whole thing with, down to each detail, but basically they weren't happy with the whole testing thing. They said they were supposed to get PCR tests 48 hours, um, I think 24 hours before the game. The officials from CAF turned up late, even though, um, yeah, I think CAF had promised them something. They turned up late, and then in addition to turning up late, they came with the wrong tests. So they came with oh, the actual floatings instead of the PCRs. Oh, so man. now Burkina Faso are calling some sort of kind of collusion between CAF and whoever, and I don't know why they feel necessarily that there's an agenda against them, but I can hear it. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's something we have to improve on the continent, just like the way that we have these interventions or whatever. Yeah, these hiccups like it's oh, there's there's so many things that happen. Like it's it's only at football you can see these hiccups happen. And it's like at one point, at some on one hand, it's it's kind of entertaining. On the other hand, it's like we got to do better as a as a as a continent, bro. We like we have to do better with this football inside okay. because like African football is mad. In, when it comes to African, it's mad entertaining. But sometimes you see, I think it's improved now. But back day, the pitches were horrible. Like infrastructure's bad. Like it, now things have changed where. Well, things are starting to look a bit better now. Like pitches, like these pitches look a lot better than they have previous years. There's still a lot of now. We even got VAR, which is even that was a mess the other day as well. That was a mess in the first game. I'm seeing decisions taking five minutes to be made, and there's even the wrong decision anyway. Wrong, wrong ones. That guy should have gone instantly. First twenty seconds of the game, he should have gone. Nah, there was no reason for him to still be in that match. Like first twenty seconds, that should be a red card. But I feel like even normally, even like when we see in Premier League, like we see refs, they don't want to give red cards in the first like minute of the game. That's yeah. true. That's true. So that one there, I could I can kind of understand why you don't want to give a yellow because it's the first game of the it's first game of the tournament. It is a mad tackle, but first game of the tournament, first twenty seconds, you're not gonna say, Okay, I've got to give you a red card, I've got to kick you out of this game already. And then that's that's like it's it's that kind of vibes done already. But um, even now we got yeah. Saying that we got VAR, I saw a few decisions like yo, this is taking way too long to be made. I think it was the third goal. Well, the third goal that got cancelled for Senegal. I'm like, he's he's onside. Like I don't know why it's taking five ten minutes for you to man actually make a decision. So I think obviously it's first first edition of it. So things are obviously going to get better over time. But African football is starting to look a bit more promising. There's a bit more to be happy about kind of thing like to see that we're making these changes making better getting better pitches infrastructure is kind of improving like we're getting new with the technology and stuff like it's, it's a it's a promise to look for african football in, in, as a whole like we need to take us ask, seriously what do you not think of Inguisa, that game largely ineffective i can't lie i, I like he didn't he didn't look interested i've seen that poor touches, he was getting dribble past a lot. And he didn't Cameroon also have um like league on midfielders on the bench too. They had Jean Onana on the bench and they had some guys starting. I don't want to disrespect anybody, but Jean has been one of the best players in Liga. He's been one of the best midfielders in Liga this year. And I'm like it's it's I think and um Eureka's agrees with me that it's blatant. I don't understand. It's another thing with African football though. The way we choose our lineups, and of course, there's tribalism involved in all sorts of football and stuff, yeah. and in mm. different aspects. And we see confusing decisions made by European coaches and that. But I think the bubble has to burst in terms of the way we pick our squads. 
Ahmed Musa, let me just give you an example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. I think there's, there's just a lot going on in the in the backstage for, for these guys to be consistently showing up because we we I have the same we have the same case in Angola that I mean there there were a lot of players like uh just carrying their careers through I mean in the final stages of their career but still getting call-ups ahead of young players that could be or sh- or should be called up like immediately so I think there's um like uh, the Romain Molina leaks, I mean, they gave they gave us a, a clear a clear review on what actually goes on with the bribery stuff for you to get called up and 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 that that kind of stuff. I mean, that uh, is surely one of the reasons why we see so many confusing call ups in 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 for for African national teams. Yeah, like. Even Muslim was saying guys like Ahmad Musa for Ghana. <laughs> There's so many names I can go with for Ghana. Jordan, both Jordan, Mensa, Wakaso, Samuel Wusu. Like, there's oh, so many mate, guys mate. that just get picked for no reason. It's like we obviously know about the bribery and stuff. Like, it's it's clear and obvious that certain men are only here either on nepotism or because they're paying their bribes and everything, and then. You're letting younger guys. So Ghana, perfect example for me to even explain. Like, there's so many young players that are they have dual nationality, but they don't even look at Ghana. And, we, and I don't know even the fact that I don't think I don't think it's so much that we don't that they don't look at us. I think it's we don't look at them. And it's probably even more so the fact that are you gonna pay your dues? Are you gonna pay your fees? Will you pay to play for us? Kind of thing. Like, it's got it's got to get to a point where for all for all African nations, you have to get out of this thing of oh like. You man, there's no incentive for a lot of people to play for their home country. That, especially with Ghana, I feel like there's nothing, there's nothing like that brings players back. Like you see us wanting, we we wish for guys like Cho and Lamptey and like Salisu in order to play for us. But with Salisu, with Salisu, the GFA like the GFA messed them over years ago. Like yeah. how many could have got banned from football and they just more or less laughed in his face when he went for help. There's that. Um, yeah, going Europe. Yeah, uh, is Salisu a, a Ghana international? Yeah, Salisu is a Ghana international. Yeah, oh. but his thing, yeah, he's fully, fully Ghanaian. But his thing was the time where he could have been banned from football, oh. and when he went to the GFA for help, they just they more or less just laughed in his face and they just didn't they didn't really help him. So now when we try, I think once he went to Southampton, that's when Ghana were like, oh, maybe we should try and call you up and yeah, we got to a baller now. Yeah, now now he's like, fam, he's just like. I, I know what you man did to me. I'm not coming back. Like I'm not gonna do this unless something changes. I'm not gonna come back with Lamptey. Um, I think when he was 17, we tried game to be. Yeah, I, I, I think he paid. Lamptey, I, I think Lamptey paid to play for 917s, and then he didn't get called up. You're so touching the tip of the iceberg there, but when you start, because that taste has done a f- different rabbit hole in it. Because yeah, it's true. You start talking about the real issues as to why players do not play for their sort of alternative nationality if we start getting into age cheating scandals we start getting into the bribery we start getting into um we start looking at national favoritism we see that for example with nigeria we had gernot raw um our ex-coach now who's just been sacked last month 
Yeah. Um, he used to do basic. Um, he or he was one of the first to start looking at dual nationals. But then you start noticing it seems to be a more highly or high concentration of like German dual nationals. And then it appeared that he's going to this conference each year, where he's going and he's talking to German coaches. But then as a result, he's only scouting one catchment area to hold of Europe. And I'm wondering how for a country like Nigeria, we can't be expanding that scouting. We can't. You did you see did you see what Amaju Pinnock said the other day? He said, he said, the, the new manager that we got is so amazing because he uses stats. Oh, oh my God. Right. I said, rah. <laughs> uh, that, and imagine that's like, that's the view. And then if he uses yeah. stats and that's what's got your eye, like. Bro, it's so scouting bad, and like what academies is- as well, like they need to ensure like um, you scout these guys from young, man, because example like Afina Jan, as soon as he starts popping for Roma, that's when you want to bring him in and you expect him just to accept the call up and say that he's ready. But you should be bringing in these guys from under 16s, under 17s, under 18s, and then he's the way into their first team. Well, like, like we've gone as well that um, that is Shaku kid on this, I think it was under 17, it was under 17 Afghan, isn't it? That they won, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah. Under, under 20, under 20, under 20, under 20, yeah. Yeah. Under 20 yeah, Afghan, yeah. Did these yeah. And obviously, I think he was playing the tournament, and now you lot are just trying to throw him straight into the first team. Like, there's no, there's no like the amount of pressure on like there's no like him. there's no like building block for him to actually make. You just put cool next tournament, you're getting called up. Like next, yeah, next that, that you're getting called up. The same thing happened with 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 uh with my national national team actually. Uh, with uh, I think it was Peter. He is at Lille now, but he he was. Actually, he had little to no playing time, but he was just called straight after the under under seventeen World Cup. He was called for the for the for the not for the first for the first team. So, I mean, without much, without many minutes as a senior, even so, that was a bit awkward as well. He looked, he still looks a bit out of place in the in the in the first national team. So, yeah, there's no. Yeah. There's no real program to these to these this kind of player as well. Yeah, I feel like, I feel that's an issue we have in this nation with um African nation. We don't really have like any. There's no really like foundations, no building blocks, yeah. and no like no real like teaching for for players to go from under 17s, under 18s, under 19s, and then into first team. There's no there's no transition. There's no seamless transition. It's just like you're playing well here. Let's move you up. We're not. I'm. We're even start you next game as well. Like bro, like. The kid that these these men are still young, they barely have international experience, like, they barely have first team experience, and you men are throwing them in the deep end. Like, what exactly happened with, with Eze? Like, what, what was the case there? Oh man, you know, typical shit, but basically, ours is even fishier because we don't call up any foreign player. You know how wide the Nigerian diaspora is, yeah. Mm. So, like, you know, how many dual national Nigerians there are living across every corner of this planet and we don't call up any non-nigerian based players so initially when i was younger i used to just think oh yeah that's life you know maybe they have a reason for keeping it domesticated then this guy do you know i can't well what's his name i think it's sam soji the former player he's got he's got um he's got a nephew at city right now and the nephew wants to play for night nephew says they're not calling up um 
Nephew says they're not calling up anyone, um, what do you call it, um, that's, that's based outside. And even though he asked specifically to be in the team, so he wants to grow through it, not just, all right, I'm good, so I'm going to go straight into the main national team. He wanted to play for the under-17s. Wow. He wanted to grow through the system, and there was no opportunity to do so. They started examining why, and it just became bait that, look, we have a real issue with age cheating and sadly i don't want to have to put it this way but a lot of the players in these teams are overaged in our under 17s or under 20s are overaged so you cannot be then having actual 17 year olds coming and playing next to them and that's why we don't get these calls and that's why we don't see these players growing through our youth setups until something changes and i don't even blame the players because the way nigerian football is set up you've got age sheet or you will make it out I remember even you talking about the um the thing with the kid at sea. I think the same thing happened with Alaba, if I remember correctly. Like he actually wanted to play for Nige and yeah, he did. they were just like yeah, they were just like, nah. So then he went to Austria and that was that. They also didn't pay a bribe, bro. Oh well, it's not that they didn't say he said nah, they said he needs to bring fifty K. And he said, Yeah, fam, so, like that that yeah, needs to grow, man. That kind of stuff there, like, I mean, so, yeah, it's so but, nuts. Like, I, th- I feel like I've been in a inside uh, a national federation and, and stuff like that. When, and when I heard that, it actually clicked for me. When I heard about the bribery, it clicked for me because, like, for uh, any player like once international pedigree, right? So they come with a, with that approach. Oh, you, if you want that uh, that sort of pedigree. And if you want to actually play for us, you you obviously have to play, and that's how that, that's how it made sense for me. Because before that, before thinking about that, it's just yeah, it made no sense. I mean, I can play for for, for Germany, and but I still have to play, like for free. They'll just pull me up and give me everything I need. But if, when I go to Nigeria, I have to play. I mean, sense, uh, yeah, that's. That's how I thought. That's how. That's when I realized how bad the thing is. Actually, I don't. What What do you mean? Think is? Do you think it's an issue of like of funding with these FAs? Like, do you think the federations aren't actually getting enough money? Mm. That's why it's, it's, it's corruption. corruption. Which, which people are just corrupt. It's like, corruption. it's corruption because the thing is, football has always been a microcosm of society. I, I haven't tried to. I tried to be nice. From I, I knew it, was, it had to be corrupt. I know. I, I know. I know. Nice. You was trying. You was trying to be smart. <laughs> I thought it'd be nice, but nah, man. Let's play the spade, bro. Let's see how it is, man. There's yeah, no man. There's lack of funding in, in in football in Africa in African football. No, there's not a lack of funding. We've no. got. We have enough money, certainly, to put together better projects than we're seeing right now here today. Definitely. If if the discussion then comes and we're saying, all right. Sometimes we have a problem with some pitches or some shit like that. Then it's more understandable. Yeah. This is not look, we, we have basics, basic stuff just what's Roman Molina was saying that um it would they, they got like they gave the Kenyan Federation 1.2 mil, no pitches, no training huh? centers. The money's gone, there's no explanation. They where are they funneling this cash to? That's true. It, uh, fam, where is the money actually going? Because that makes that makes no sense. If you got that much money, you've got no pitches, no training facilities, like, or even if you have that much and they and they're in poor condition, what are you really using your money for? Are you try are you 
trying to build up your country as a nation, you're just, you're just using that money to, to distribute to friends, bro. They don't care. But the problem is because absolutely everybody's doing it in African football right now. Then it's hard to really pinpoint somebody and then go after them and then go and attack them or then try and, you know, rectify the situation and sort of recoup somebody's funds, man. Like the problem's too deep. It's too deep. It's been yeah. far too long. Far too long. I don't know what we're going to do to save our football. I can't lie. I think we have so many structural issues that have been caused by... Let, let's, for example, if we go back to the player thing, we'll take Ahmad Diallo and his brother as an example. <laughs> Bro. If you want to... But it's the same... Like I know plenty of young ballers in Nigeria right now because I'm doing... I did some scouting work for Zvola um, in the Eredivisie here. So like my job was trying to look into some African players and dual national players that they could bring to Europe. Um, and we're seeing a lot of young ballers with no route out unless they have some brother that they've organised. And I don't know why that is the scheme, why that is the chosen thing, but you can't get out of an Africa academy unless you have a brother. So plenty of these players have brothers or supposedly go abroad with brothers, um, Ahmad or whatever, but it's actually people that they entrust to keep them safe because when both of them go abroad, they need to make sure that there's somebody that they can at least not necessarily report back to, but can keep tabs on each other, you know, so that there's no trafficking or nothing like that. That is it's well, so it's so nuts at how like African footballs run. Like it's so so bad, man. It's a consequence of where we are, like generally as as not as a society. I hate putting it that way, in it, but like. I feel like all these things, like, it's impossible, like, if we don't get our countries running better generally, I don't see how we can then expect something oh, government, like sporting federations to then function the way yeah. they literally, literally, like, like, our, our, our FAs, our FAs are embodiment of our governments, like, mm -hmm. exactly. they're just arms of the government. Exactly. Because if you want to get football functioning, you need at least a basic threshold in it of guys who football guys and i'm talking about guys who come from a varied range of backgrounds that are interested in different things about football some guys you will need the light data some guys you need that are on the ground watching every day scouts and that type of thing and we have guys that love football and like why does it not translate why can't we put that down onto actual results both in terms of player development and results on the pitch Bro, yeah, no, it's it's horrible stuff, man. Like it's it's just it just it's like it does as much as you as much as you explain as much as you read it's some it just still doesn't make much sense as to why this stuff is happening like and why things are the way it is. But at the end of the day, like if 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 our literally like, if our governments are this way, what do you expect from from our FA? Because it's it's just it's gonna be the same thing. It's what they know. It's how things are run. If you see how our governments run, you're gonna run it almost the same way as a football federation or any other sport in um fa or anything like any other association that's for something you're going to run it the same way the government does because that's how you know to run things like it's so so bad man it's so so poor bro but um back to back to afcon yes do i want to discuss this ghana game like do i really want to discuss <laughs> let's, this let's, let's game? dig in man yeah. i'm here oh my days bro hold on let's let's um let's uh discuss what was the game after <laughs> Cameroon and Burkina Faso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't skip a game. We can't skip a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
uh, the, to the Kempford match, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I really enjoyed watching them. Uh, they were as going through all, all everything that uh, actually the the old teams are going through with COVID and, and etc. Uh, but actually, they were very nice structurally. They looked really, really organized, and actually, it's one of the, perhaps the best team, the best organized team I've seen yet. In the competition, well, it's we're halfway through the first round, but yeah, they they were they were pretty nice to watch, and obviously uh, got a bit lucky with that red card, but things think it, it really it was um uh yeah with a lot of decisions of the reps by the way, but it was kind of a reflection of the of how good they were, especially for the. For the for the for the Ethiopia red card, but yeah, they were good structurally, but the pressing was a bit lazy. Like I said, because of um, organization and or organizational stuff. Plus, it's national team, and you don't really have much time to coach that that sort of thing, especially related to intensity. Yeah, and we're all way through the season, so it's really hard to 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 do that that kind of stuff, but. They were really good. I really enjoyed working capable, and I'm actually optimistic about their chances. So, would you have said without the ten men, um, they'd have performed to the same degree? Because I, obviously, it coming so early in the game I had to have changed the whole landscape. So, no, I think so. I think they would. I think they would. Be, it would have been closer, but obviously, but I think they would still win. They they were already on top of of Ethiopia, all over Ethiopia before the red card. So yeah, yeah. I, I had to watch some highlights because um I was working for both the games. But when I was watching that, I saw yeah, like Cape Verde looked very, very on top. Regardless of the record, they looked on top. Like yeah. all the entire game, they looked, they were really restructured well. And I was like, cool. I feel like this probably could be who who else is in the group? Is the obviously Cameroon and um Cameroon and So where 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 do you think they finish in their group? They could finish second. Yeah. At, at what worst case, obviously they're going through as third best, but I think they're they are going through through them as well. That's not bad, man. I'm yeah. I'm really I really want to make sure I watch most of the games this time. Obviously, if I'm not working, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I watch. But this is definitely one of them because I, I just the spirit of Afcon for obviously for us as Africans, like it's it's obviously our international tournament where we see. We like to see some of the players that even even we see them in the league, like we want to see them on their national stage. Like it's kind of the thing for us. Like we just want to we want to enjoy African football as much as the Europeans enjoy European football and and uh, South Americans enjoy Copa America. Like this is for us kind of thing. So mm-hmm. this is one of the things I'm gonna make sure I definitely watch. Mm-hmm. But um, do I talk about Ghana now? From Dens, Dens, Dens I'll allow oh, you, man. Bro. We can talk about the Mali game for um, not Mali, the oh, Guinea, Zimbabwe, the Guinea. Yeah, we can talk about Zimbabwe first, and then Guinea, and then we'll get to you, lot. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Didn't watch that one. Which oh, who did? Oh, I don't think I saw that game. The I tuned one. in uh twenty minutes into the Senegal game, but they yeah. looked. I tuned in. Look, really welcome, man. Hang on, Ope Ope hasn't said nothing. Yeah, yeah sorry, but I've been struggling with Wi-Fi, but yeah, um, I watched like the first half of Senegal Zimbabwe and I gotta say Zimbabwe more than held their own really like they were structured deep block proper and and Senegal struggled to break them down apart from a couple of openings from Mane 
they didn't penetrate them a lot. And I think that's the issue like lots of Senegalese fans have had with Ali Ossise. Like, for all the attacking talent they have, they are quite toothless in attack. Despite having Mane, Bolde, all of those players. Like, I was shocked of how comfortable Zimbabwe were for the majority of the game. No. Yeah, like because whenever I talk to whenever I talk to my boy Tad, well Taddy, other from other co-host, he's just like he doesn't he doesn't even feel confident when it comes to Zim. Like he like he knows how bad they are, but to watch them, it's like I miss him. It's like raw, like you and I actually holding yeah. their own. Like this is this is like, miss, we miss one of the best players in the Cambo who's not in the yeah. tournament. Yeah. And the funny thing is, and the funny thing is, is like this is a Zimbabwean team that hadn't won in like I think they've won they won like once out of the eighteen game, one out of eighteen, and you would have mm-hmm. thought that with how they played like. They were proper structured, and the fact that Senegal struggled just shows why I love Af- Afcon because the Minnows can give the, the big boys a, a run for their money. Like it was, it was yeah. a last yeah. penalty. That's actually something I tweeted earlier. Uh, they always give big sides a run for their money, like every time. It, it, and it, didn't even start the game. If, yeah, if, yeah. And was on the bench till the forty-fifth minute. Oh. I don't know why. Oh. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean. Uh, it was literally. I I thought actually when he came on, actually they, I thought they they were gonna score from with with that with that after that sub, but yeah, well obviously it went it went left. That I was end. really I was really shocked with him, and I can't lie. Like I was I was shocked with him, but I was more. I think I was more like they I feel always, like I was more disappointed with Senegal because I would have would expected that this would be a, a very not comfortable but quite an easier win for them because Zim. Zim haven't really been playing too well. Even in World Cup qualifiers, when they played, like the matches I saw them play, I was like, they weren't really that good. So to see them come to Senegal, which is one, like one of the big boys, and really hold down, like hold it down, hold the weight, and only lose to a last minute penalty, I thought there, there's positives for them there. But at the same time, can they make it out of their group? Because who else is in their group? Um, oh shit, I didn't even talk. No, no, it's, it's it's the it's um they're in the same. Hang on, give me one second. Quickly, find. let me pull that from because I keep forgetting who's in I've mean, got, I got, I got a, a fact sheet or something somewhere. It's Guinea and, and Malawi. Yeah, that one. I think they can probably beat Malawi. I think, yeah, Taddy's Taddy's confident. If they, I think, if they beat Malawi and then they go and draw with Guinea, saying that's it, they're through. But even then, third best place, third, third, what is it, third place? Um, who's the yeah. best out of them? They can win one game and you can more or less be Look safe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, think one win and they yeah. they probably be safe, man. If you get it's four funny, points, they, they were so close to a point. Yeah, yeah, they were so so close to a point. If it wasn't for that last minute penalty, that's it. Then like, mm. it it would have been almost kind of kind of not straightforward, mm. but it would have been that would have been them in like in the clear more. And I didn't watch the whole of the game, but what I got from people is that they even had a couple openings like in transition to get some goal. So that's yeah. something you could take encouragement from as well. There was a good few chances for there was a good few chances to, for them to actually go and get a goal, but yeah, obviously it didn't it didn't actually like um, materialize. But there is promising; it's very very promising for Zimbabwe. Funny enough, like um, yeah, fam, Senegal just I don't know what it is, man. It's just it's weird, bro. I think it's the same complex as the Ivory Coast Golden Generation, whereby like. Because you've got so many household names, people automatically expect you to steamroll the competition. And yeah. and with Afcon, it's just never. It, we've, we've seen it's, it's, Afcon, ne- it's never. It's never. It's been never it. the case. Like Ivory Coast had Drogba, Yaya Toure, all their man. They didn't win it until Drogba. Like Drogba never won Afcon. 
So I think it's the same. It's the same pressure that Senegal have. Everyone just expects them to steamroll teams, and it's probably getting to them. Like Mane for Liverpool and Mane for Senegal, two different players. Like Mane, I think yeah. they've even booed him. They've, they've, watching Senegal watching Mane, happy with him at times. watching Mane that match I was like, yeah, you, you like, is you're not you're not gonna be the same Mane you're in the league. Like this is yeah, this is a whole. Uh, Afcon is a whole different ball game. Funny enough, like, yeah. Do you not feel like tactics or like for some of the teams tactics plays into this because as Ope was saying. Aliou Cisse and some of the lineups that he set up and the way that he sets these guys out to play, they're disorganized, let me be honest. Like, Sorry. with their midfield, having Idrissa Garnagay as a pivot with the options that they've got, both immediately um, sort of, even if you look at the bench, Senegal have one of the strongest squads of the whole tournament. Senegal, remember they the, um, the World Cup group with, I think it was Japan, it was Japan, Colombia, Poland. Yeah, and, yeah. and they, they they were supposed to make it out that group. Yeah, and they didn't. It was, and they didn't. It was because of the, it was because of like um I think they had identical records, so it was because of like they had more yellow cards than yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, Japan. Yeah. So that's why that's why I didn't go through, and it was ridiculous because I think they won their first game. They just drew Japan, and they unfortunately lost to Colombia. And yeah, they yellow, they, they yellow cards is what talking about. That that's so mad. That that's what I'm saying. Talking about. Mm. I feel like they're also in a weird spot where they have three object. Okay, we'll say they have three objectively good midfielders starting or for this level. I'm not the biggest fan of Jacob Kayate, but this level is definitely good enough. Yeah. Kayate, Gay, um, and I think it was a Bunasar midfield yeah, trio. Yeah, Man, that is one of the best in the competition. They should be getting in terms of like, especially what Ope was saying. They just struggled to shift that deep block of Zimbabwe around. Apart from Mane, you didn't see any sort of penetrative running from yeah. Baldi. It was it was stagnant. Like I just found that offensively they didn't seem to have anything pre-planned. And I know it's international football. They don't have all the time in the world to coach these players. But more time you're looking for at least steady chance creation. I didn't see that. Yeah. Let me let me see. Let me even read other stats. So in that game, Senegal had 16 shots, only three were on target. Zim had 11, two were on target. What was the XG? Oh, I can't even find I need to find it on Twitter. Come on, Google right now. <laughs> I'll find it in a second. Possession, Senegal dominates 62%. More passes, pass accuracy higher, less fouls, less yellow cards. They had same they had four corners each. Like <clears throat> let me go let me go into it and find XG because like I'm just watching that game, like, I'm seeing the chances like you know what, you lot aren't even you're not creating. Yeah, you're not really creating, you're not really making anything as much obviously like they are seen as the big boys. Obviously, we do believe that because of the players they have, they should be steamrolling. But yeah, just different story, man. To be fair to Senegal, what I will say with Afcons in general, that's the pattern, especially in the group stage, that the games are so transitional in the sense that they're rarely they're rarely times where teams will have a phase of like five ten minutes of any sustained pressure. And it's not just Senegal that have done it. I've seen countless teams do it. Like even your game today as well. Like both teams, how many times? How many times were there like? Did you see Morocco and Ghana have like just a phase of possession in the attack in the opposite in the opposition defensive third? Like it's just it's like that. It's just a constant feel of Afghans. I don't know why, but yeah. The ball the ball it feels like it feels like the ball's always so loose when it comes yeah, to Yeah, that's like, what I mean. Like you can't you can't make times. you can't make simple five yard passes and you can't you can't make ten in a row. Like you'll make three and something and one will just mess up and it's like it's a constant, constant um what's it called repeat, like 
Yeah, no, so no you see that transition ball? We have to that's do better. Than it's so bro, bro, they love oh it. Oh my god, it's, that's, it's we have like to do better. But like the thing is, like I'm not saying like, all right, fuck the opinion of any. Let's say like, I'm not trying to compare us to European football. Are we are our own thing, and we will even if let's say we get to the point where we're winning World Cups, it's gonna look different to how a European team plays. But we need to be able to control possession. We need yeah. to be able to have extended spells of possession where. Yeah. The midfielders are taking 10 touches each when they pass the ball across the midfield line where we're recycling the ball. And let's be honest, who here can see any of the big teams? Because I, I think you, you see it sometimes with the smaller teams, ironically. Yeah. yeah. You can't see any of the big teams keep sustained possession. Like I feel, I feel like it's it's all it's all rushed. I feel like everyone just wants to rush yeah. and just like get the ball out there and try and score. Because you know, because I feel like sometimes you know that you've got like big players. You know, you've got players that can actually like can score and everything. So it's like, cool. We want to get this ball straight to them as soon as possible. Whereas the smaller teams, maybe other they won't they don't have household names, but they're still gonna try and play a way where everyone everyone can get a touch on the ball and actually build up. Whereas us, it's like. Capable, like long ball, get to the best player and hope he scores. Hope he does something. Like it's poor. It's poor for us. Like realistically, man. Like what do you what do you guys put it down to? Would you put it down to uh, coaching? I speak. I speak to someone earlier. Would you put it down to the pitch because you can't even because like <laughs> you pass the ball yeah and yeah. it was like five times. Pitch, so pitch plays a part. Down to because like cool. I watch Nigeria a lot and like what I saw from AFCON, I see whenever I watch Nigeria qualifying match, just one, two, long ball, one, two, long ball for like 90 minutes. That, that's literally, that's Ghana. That's it don't matter, it don't Ghana. matter the size of the striker that we have up top. If they're a target man or they're fast, long ball, even when they're mm-hmm. two, long ball, man, that's it. Like, I, I think it's a combination of like different things. So like yeah, Oprah just said, the pitches, I feel like, um, we struggle to like teams struggle to identify the correct profile of players. Like mm-hmm. when they when they like obviously building uh, calling up players for the team, um, and like uh, Urike has been saying, like lack of time when it actually comes to coaching, uh, build up possession play, and like just lack of ideas, man. Like it's just I feel like the players get way too much freedom to do what they want to do, especially when they get to the, the final third. You see a lot of hero ball just just shooting any. Anytime opportunity arises, so yeah, I definitely agree with the profile thing because, like, I've seen African teams over yep. the years. Like, if if an African team has like four best attackers, they'll just fit them in. Like, Senegal, like twenty twelve, regardless of had, the balance. Like, yeah, Senegal twenty twelve had like Demba, Musa Sal, Papi Cisse, and one other playing just like four two four, and they were just getting done on the counter every time. So yeah, but it also. Does boil down to mentality on on the pitch because it's very hard to coach build up in uh, in an African in an African national team, and I realized that with with um, the last uh, Angolan coach, um, he's now coaching in Angola. Actually, he got a job you know, back 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 home, but he uh, during his time he actually got us back to Afcon. We played excellent football like really good well-structured possession football it was actually impressive but as a it, very often like the goalkeeper when when he realized that the the team that like the the, the, the opposing team was, was starting to press from from the first phase he would just panic and just send everyone <laughs> and then, then just hoof it. It, it it would be it was really really frustrating to watch but 
yeah, I I also realized that a lot of players really don't uh never first one they never learned how to do it properly and two they just when they when they see it they just do what they know i mean mm. it's really it's really hard to convince yeah. someone to to do any any different than than, than what you than what i you think use. like dens was saying they just have too much freedom especially in the final third because guys are just doing things mm. they wouldn't do yeah for their- like guys will do yeah. stuff for their, for their, they will never do for their clubs that they do for their country like I know um, it's not it's, it's, it's proper like, it's proper it's a big big lack of coaching definitely and like yeah, yeah that freedom thing like bruv I feel like because you're at a national stage where pardon me like you're you're one of the big boys like you now think okay I'm gonna do whatever I want because I'm here like I'm one of your better players per se so mm. anything I want to do you can't really you're not really, really disputed but when I get to club level I'm not one of them guys like if the manager told me to do this stuff, I'm gonna to have to do this. But it's like it's like let's say let's say Jan was doing a madness for Ghana, and he's done something stupid. They won't really say nothing. But if he done that club level, they're gonna they're gonna grill him because it's like who what like who who are you to really do this? Like, friend, you're gonna you're gonna legend wherever, but you're not a club legend here. So this 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 same rule don't apply to you. It's do you like feel a, like you feel like a lot of that also comes from like our sort of football cultures that we have combined with the lack of infrastructure that we have currently existing where I feel possession football is not something that we're focused on from the coaching phase when we're younger. We look for players who have attributes that we like. We look for players that are active. They will win their duels. They will dribble. They will create chances. They're capable of things. African footballers are talented. They've played in different conditions which make them into very complete footballers. However, in terms of actual like fitting into tactical sort of things, we find like sometimes it's just square pegs and circular holes. Like yeah. if you watch the the Senegal trio today, all three of them guys passed the ball for their clubs. <laughs> well, oh, today, <laughs> I think it's, it's, so, both, it's so yeah, it's, it's definitely a coaching and um, infrastructure thing because like even with like Nigeria <clears> under ten. <throat> Like with Nigeria under 17s, they always do well. And like under 17s, where it's more like your, your raw attributes, your raw talent. Once you get to the under 20, that's when the tactics come into it. And Nigeria tends to struggle because they just don't know what they're doing in possession at times. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it's one, two, long ball. And yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Do you feel, that, do you, do you, do you feel with our under 17s, age cheating also comes into it a tiny bit? What do you mean, the age? Yeah. I with our know. under 17 sometimes. <sighs> I feel like hmm, I don't know because like when I see the under seventeen aspect, like under seventeens, yeah, like the things I, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not too sure actually. I'm actually not too sure because I can't. I, it was with Dens I was discussing this. Like it was some months back, and we were looking at the number of players that have played for un, winning under seventeen squads for Nigeria mm. and where they ended up in their career, how early they retired, or what where they yeah. played for. And it looks very suspicious, unfortunately. A lot of them, the drop off does not make sense. Like, bro, like, like from Nigeria, like, Musa, you're higher. You're higher, you, yeah. You're higher. You know, in, the player I was about well. to use, I swear that, bro, he was so good. Even, like, if you look at that player objectively playing on the field, you're like, there's no way. He was basically, he was in the team with Osime. There's no way that you were going to see him and be like, look, this is not one of the guys that's making it. Mm. The same one for me is Musa Mohammed as well. He was a right back for us. The right back, yeah. 
he scored that he for well. against who did he score? Who did he bag that? Free kick. I think it was against Mexico. Oh no, no, yeah, Mexico. yeah, it was, it was Mexico. Free kick last yeah, but I remember him scoring a free kick, and even was called up for some like for some um, games. But again, the way they just fall off is just ridiculous. I feel like it's the aspect of I'm coming to Europe to play. I think I've got my money. I don't think there's the motivation to improve. It's more to get the money. If you get what I mean. I hear that. Because mm. that's one I've always thought that myself. Because I feel like again, Nigeria always do well in the under 17s but once they go up to like the higher levels, they tend to struggle. And when you look at the players coming from like the home base leagues to Europe. Lots of them are content with just being in Europe because mm. it's more money. It's they're not like it's more money they get in Africa. So like the the motivation to improve to be at, to get to the highest level isn't always there with a lot of them. You know, it's so, funny. Me and me and some of my friends are talking about. We said the same thing with like some South Americans and some like, Brazilians. Mm. Like, you see when they move when they move to the big boy clubs and they start getting more money. Just think, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna relax a little bit. I don't yeah. think I really wanna. I don't think I really wanna force myself to improve because I'm getting a lot of money and most like. These men are always like, I'm doing this for my family type thing. I remember when, remember when Oscar left and Oscar was like, what, 25, 26, he went to China. And I was like, raw, like, you still got a good few years in your career to stay in to stay in Europe. And you thought, I'm just going to go to China because I want to get my family more money and whatever. Fair enough. But it's like, come on, like, you don't have so much talent on you. And then once you get to Europe, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to slack a little bit. I'm not really going to, I don't think there's much for me to improve. I've, I've got, I've kind of got what I want. Kind of thing. I think that's how some of them see it. And uh, and the thing, the, it, my issue thing, I feel like the federations, especially when they're around these young players as youths, they have to encourage them that fair enough. When you do go to Europe, you'll get more money. But you guys are good. You can play for the. You can play in the Premier League. You can play in the League One. You can play in the League. You can play in these top leagues. I feel like, like you guys were saying earlier on, when my wife was messing mm-hmm. around, the cultures that oh, let's just we'll get we'll take money. We we'll just like keep for ourselves. I think it's just embedded within the players as well, whereby. Once they make it to like Europe, they're just so comfortable. That's it. Mm. They've, they've made their pee. They've made what they think is comfortable for them and they're just not going to try anymore. And, it, and it's a shame because a lot of these players are good. They're good enough to play in these big teams, in these big leagues. But I just feel like the the culture of greed is just so deeply rooted in African football that these players never reach their full potential. And it's frustrating. It happens all the time. It literally happens all the time, man. Um... Yeah, let's 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 finally get into that stupid gunner match, man. I'm, I, my head's my head's my head's cooled down because it's been a good few hours here. But Jesus, man, like, oh fam, I'm just not surprised that like, it's this is regular doings for gunner, man. We always we start we start well a bit and then we just go defensive. Usually we go defensive when we won when we one up, but it's still no no. We'll find for like the first like ten minutes maybe, and then after that, after that was just so poor. Like it was just so poor. Guys are making passes. We're on counter attacks, and there's only one man up front. Certain men don't know what they're doing, and I was like, "Yeah, this is just like." It just goes back to it goes back to coaching. It goes back to profiles. Like they, they don't add up. Like, and maybe they do add up, but it's it's in the worst way for us. Like the coaches are not good, so the players aren't really that good either. Like we yeah. see Partey. Obviously, Partey um, didn't really have a good game this game. Let's be real. Like he really didn't play well. Jordan Ayew, as always, never plays well. Hasn't scored a goal for about. <laughs> 50-something games and he's still yeah, needing man. Guys, one penalty up, goal in two Jordan, years, bro. What does Jordan oh, A do that pisses you off a lot? Like, everything. Everything. The thing is, he's not good. He's not good. I can he's see. He's not good at all, bro. I, I will buzz joke with Dennis, but I can see. Let me be honest. Oh. He's not, man. He's just oh. not good, man. Yeah, like, he, just, he just... The only thing he's got going for him is a bit of hold up and just working hard during the night. No, like, he can, he can dribble a bit. He's, he's got yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100 
all the Ghanaians I follow on Twitter every single time is fucking Jordan Ayu that they're my at, listen, my display oh. name is why is Jordan Ayu our striker? I've I've given up, like I'm so tired you know that the he's our leading man, bro. I think he's your best striker. <sighs> that we can that we can play it. Yeah, like oh, I, 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 look, I think about Ghanaian strikers and like the because the only other name that I'm thinking, all right, is potentially an option is Afeni. And he's a left winger. That yeah, fam. You know what it is, um... like, we spoke about this on we spoke about this on spaces. Like our issue is we haven't made a good striker since Jan. Like, we haven't made we haven't had a good striker since since Asamoah Jan, and it's so weird because we can make decent defenders, we can make decent midfielders, but where we need the goals from. It's, it's our it's our worst it's our worst bit of recruitment or worst bit of like um development. I don't get it. I honestly don't well, get there's, it. There's a, you have a striker in the area of Visa. He I think he used to play for Bayern. I, I can't remember his name. Where oh, I think I I think I've seen his name. I think I've seen his name somewhere. Um, I think I've seen his name. I can't. I remember think he Bayern. plays for with the uh, uh, Willem Willem no, Fay. Huh? He, he's Fay. he's He's got a yeah. very he's got a very Ghanaian name. Like he's not he's I think he's you know what's funny. I saw his card on FIFA the other day, and I'm like, there's a Dutch flag there. I'm like, you're not you're not gonna claim Dutch. There's no way. Like his name is his name is so obviously. I think it's I don't know if it's a Wusu or something. I cannot remember. I just know it's straight Ghanaian. I'm like, bro. Like he he he. he the funny thing is, he even made the squad. Um, like recently, I, I'm not I'm not even I can't even remember if he made an appearance in the game, and then after that, like we ain't seen him again. Like he hasn't made a squad since. Is it Kwasi Reed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, him, him. So let me let's even let's even discuss the game, man, because but he was he was born in minutes. Germany. Huh? He was born in Germany, innit? I think so. I think yeah, so. We, but... we can check it, we can check it later, but yeah. So uh first five, ten minutes as Cornson um got to the final third quite a few times and after that Absolutely no rhythm nothing. in the game. Constant, like were, I'm pretty sure there was like fifty fouls in that game. Like, yeah, oh the, fam. What well, well, game is fouls, like Fam, it was fouls galore, bro. Like it's just, it's just like bro. bro. Like most of most of so unnecessary as well. Each team, like there was, there wasn't like a period of like actual sustained possession. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just constant. Um, Try build up press and then just, just go long, like, bro. It was just it was just a back and forth game, like just. You feel like we get second rate coaches because it's already hard to get good coaches for international football. We see that in with the biggest teams, it's hard to get good. That, that's why Gareth Southgate has an England job. That's why mm-hmm. Paulo. Um, that's why what's his name? Paulo Souza. Paulo Souza. Oh, yeah, that's why the um who's who's the current the the Portuguese guy. Santos, yeah. 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 That terrorist. Because yeah, the best coaches do not want to be coaching international team. They don't want to be going on and off. They want a consistent job where they can be in contact with players every day. But then it's worse with us. Like we, for example, we've just sacked raw. Mm. Who the hell was Gernot Roy in Europe? We now bring in an ex-Serbian coach. Um, not Serbian coach. We bring in Portuguese. Mourinho, Mourinho's, Mourinho's, yeah, the system. Mourinho's recommendation. Yeah, I've looked at this guy's records. I've watched his teams play. 
this guy is not a good no. prop. He's he, second bad. rate is even you know he's even, it's even he's even generous, bro. Yeah, exactly. For someone, for someone that watched Liga Nash and watched Sporting uh, during his time, I mean, just he is really bad. It's because Lash. like with international football, especially in African times, you can run, you can actually run with vibes for a very long time. And yeah. yeah, somehow get away with it. I think that, I think there's no joy like that a, a manager gets from or like a like no like not a big manager but like a second rate manager gets from really trying to manage Afcon like I feel like because I feel like because African football isn't seen as high quality most managers are like I don't really want to be here the only ones we got lucky with, even with Ghana we got quite lucky and the that idiots we rejected him was um yeah, was Lucien Favre was Lucien Favre it was like. That was the one chance where we could actually, oh, yo, God, like, God. we're gonna be in a serious position. Why did and you guys reject him? You could have won Afcon. You could have won. I honestly, I honestly wish I could tell you why we rejected him. I, I ain't got an answer, Sway. Well, I, I honestly, <laughs> w- I honestly wish, like, I honestly wish yeah. we had. Oh, there was a reason why we rejected him, but it's like, bro, we was rejected him favorite. I can't remember. Was uh, from what? What do you call it? From what Duncan told me. Um, he said he said salary and then disagreements with the GFA as to how what do you call it call ups would be done. Ah, uh, there yeah, we go. That thing. There we go. That's of that's one not. thing that puts that's the thing is of course like, like you just said it. I think that's what puts off like even some of the better coaches off managing African sides. There's too much. There's too much politics. It's way like, too much politics. Wait, like you get you get your squad selections vetoed. You get paid late. I don't know. Like with Nigeria, bro, how many times has Fingy been? Like Raw was not paid for like his last six months in charge. All these, all these petty things are one of the reasons why we don't get the best of the best coaches. Exactly. It's probably it's, it's it's just it's just it's just attitude. It's just it's, I think just the, the way obviously like like we said, bro, your your FA is the embodiment of your of your government. So it's just like if these managers are so obviously so are we. It's just it's so bad. Like how can you have this is like a, a proper renowned coach like and he's actually come he's actually applied for the job and is it renowned? Pardon? Is it ever Renard? Um, what's it called? Favre. Lucien Favre. Lucien Favre. Lucien Favre. He applied for the Ghana job and we said no due to, yeah, man. Due oh, to salary man. reasons, yeah. due to, due to um, call-up selection and stuff like that. We just said no to that and I was like, oh my God. We went back to what we had before in 2010 with um with Milo and it's just like, bro, Milo's time is like, is it's so gone, it's so far gone. Like, fair enough. We got to the we got to the quarterfinals of World Cup in 2010. Like this, like it's a different time, man. Like football's evolved since then. Like 12 years have gone on. Like it, there's no reason for us to go back to him because there's nothing. There's nothing really. There's no reason. Like even today's matches are so poor. It just it just shows how how far behind we are from most of these other countries. Like mm-hmm. no no structure. Some of the players getting Lucien called. Up, why are you getting called up? Lucien Favre is, is like the kind of coach that would really do do really well in international football. Yeah, he'd be And we that said no. We on, we really said no just because nostalgia, just nostalgia's hey, killing stop. us as well, bro. Yeah, nostalgia's killing us, man. Nostalgia's we're just, we're just living in the past, bro. And another thing is, it's like a lot of African teams do this, like, we stick with what we know. Like, I don't know if Ghana, but with Nigeria as well. We've had, we, we've appointed like God rest his soul. We appointed Shebu Modu four times to be coach, Plus four times know, to be coach, 
and like I think Stephen Keshi had two spells as coach. Oh man! Like like you guys, Milo, you've had two spells oh, as Ghana coach. Milo's on his second run, bro. Yeah, second run exactly. Like even with Raw, Raw was Raw was terrible in other African nations. So how he got the Nigerian job is it? I don't even know. But it doesn't make sense with these federations. They're sense, so bro. incompetent. They're just like. You know, let's look for a puppet we can control, and then we can like we can take the piss in. We might not have to pay him as much. This, this, that, and he's more relaxed, so he won't even challenge us more. Like one of the reasons why Sunday Lisa got sacked from Nigeria is because he kept beefing the he kept beefing them. He said, "Basically, you guys are incompetent. You're not letting me do my job properly," and they didn't like it. We had the whole scandal with well, not scandal. Pinnock and Pinnock and um, basically for the last two years we've been in internal conflict within the NFF because Pinnock won the election. Pinnock actually fairly won the election mm. and basically has been challenged. And then the government then got involved, saying that their guy that they want to be in charge of it um, and be running the daily affairs of football in Nigeria and. I didn't look at this guy knows nothing about football. He's like his opinions sound like your dad and like the beer parlor type <laughs> shit. Man. Like, and it's bewildering because sometimes you'd be thinking to yourself like, when is when is the bubble gonna burst? Because we have so many talented Nigerians, Ghanaians, and Africans in general working in football. All of us here like football. We have a passion for it. We go and do our own individual scouting, research, whatever. We like to watch football consistently. Where is that sort of pipeline to get young Nigerians involved in the game? And then you realize there's a reason they don't want that. Then yeah, we, can't, no we, can't, we can't funnel the corruption money the way that we normally do if we've got other people involved. Um, we because can't they'll pull us out on their bullshit. On their bullshit. Yeah, yeah, fam. Like with, with with us, we're 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 a new generation. Like we're we're the young ones who actually want to see us do well. So. I feel like if if there's if there's six of us went to went to go work in our in our respective FAs, we try and call things up because like bro, we want we will actually want us to be good. And it's like you lot say you do, but it's clear you don't. Like, it's clear you don't care about the FA. You just care about how, you just care about how much money's coming in and everything. Like with us, we try and call and they they'd hate us. They'd really hate. It. So especially trying to bring new young people. Like I don't think they care because they, they know young people will try and call them out. They know young people there'll be an issue with it. So it's like bro, we're gonna stick with who we know. We're gonna stick with the older generation who. You kind of know the ins and outs and everything. It's just, it's just backwards. It's so backwards. I think even like say Olafin Jonah, he was a Nigerian international. They must have asked him to even help be the technical director. He was like, no, because he asked them like questions about how things would work, and they couldn't give him straight answers. So he's like, I can't do this because you lot aren't going to help. You not you lot aren't going to let me work the way I want to work. So it just won't be a good partnership. And you see it now, and it's it's annoying because I keep saying like the quality is there in Africa, but. The federations are the the reason why like African countries will never progress yep. as they should. Guaranteed. They're Guaranteed. even open. They're, they're even open to like uh, let go of someone who is actually bringing results, mm. just so they can keep doing their usual stuff, which is what happened in the Angolan FA. We had uh, the Serbian coach um, Sudjan Vasilevic, the one I I spoke about uh, earlier. Uh, he got us back to Afcon. Our first, actually, our only participation in the last four editions, it was 2019. He got us back. He he was getting us results. He actually we won the group of uh, Burkina Faso, who's a consistent, uh, who's a consistent, uh, who, who yeah, 
he they they're always uh, in Afghans. So uh, by the end of 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 his contract, I think uh, they had the chance to just renew it, re renew the contract. I think, but right before that, he just the the coach himself he just he just decided to quit because well, first they they weren't paying they, they weren't paying him his they weren't paying him his salaries and just a lot of things related to how the FA operated things around him and re, uh, a lot of uh, things related to the national team itself especially call-ups something we, we've been talking about a lot call-ups so, is always a massive issue and word travels yeah, faster in the football world, isn't it? So when we do these things to our coaches and we do these things to our players, how do we think we're going to attract... I can't remember who was saying it earlier, but it was, it was in this podcast. For instance, if you take guys like Kyle hudson Adoy, and you tell them, look, you can play for England. You don't have to leave the country. You don't have to fly 12 hours um, every time it's an international break. You have... Your injuries are treated properly. They don't call you up when you're injured. Um, you have your bonuses paid on time. You're not the one that's funding any of your flights or anything. Or, alternatively, you could play for Ghana and you have the chaos of sometimes having your delays at the airports, coming back late from international duty. The coach will then blame you for that, even though you know you had no say in it. Um, your bonus is not getting paid on time. You're not sure if you're going to get injured because the pitch will tear your leg up if you try to run on it. Like, there's so many different factors, and I feel like it's <coughs> observers. But until something really, until one African country decides, look, we are going to press ahead. We're going to get things organized. We're going to really start. All right, we'll start from the bottom. Maybe it doesn't necessarily reflect in results initially, but we're going to clean house. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of us need to. A lot of us need to clean. They need to clear out. Just have a have a proper break everything down and start from the bottom. Like just start from the top in it. Like start from know, the bottom again. Just like do you know what noise Yeah, it's better to start from at this point. It's just better to start from the top because if we go to and then we just carry it out from there. Just we just need a group of people uh, that are actually willing to change things from the top. So yeah. that's and that's how. Uh, re uh, regulations will be changed. Uh, uh, money will be a lot will, will be controlled a lot better, and and so on. Yeah. What was Ope saying? Like, do you know what annoys me? Is that like all these countries will then, like, especially Nigeria, Slim, they'll be like, "Oh, we have aspirations to win the World Cup," and I'm just like, "How do you expect to do these? Like, have these like want to win the World Cup if you're not organized from?" From the bottom, you up. haven't you haven't got basic things set up. Basic these things, are your, like, these are your aspirations. Like, come on! I man. remember, like, at least come he was on, saying man. that, like, he wanted just simple videos to analyze Egypt for for key African game. They're like, no, you have to go to you have to go watch Egypt yourself. Yeah. I remember before in the 2014 World Cup, Aboa Bono our CB was just like, oh, we've heard we've heard things about Iran. We haven't watched them, but we've heard their defensive side. I'm like, you've had how long to prepare for this tournament, and you don't know much about the opposition. And it showed when you played them because you couldn't do it. We didn't have to break them down. But it's just all these incompetencies that when you add them all up, it just shows why African football is the way it is. And it's not just Nigeria, it's pretty much every single, um, every single Yeah, all of them. All of them. Incompetent. Absolutely all of them, man. This is it's just so poorly run, man. Um Kojo, you haven't said a word from this. Let's, let's get your views on the, the Ghana match as well, man. 
as a, as a football anal- a football analysis as well. Like, let's let's hear your points on that game. Oh, yeah, I, I don't even know where to start. Very, very off. Give us. I couldn't get everything out with just my tweets and all this the stuff I typed on Twitter. So I think this is a better medium to release my stress. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, overall, we, 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 it was bad. It was very bad. What, but I think the only positive we had was that we weren't shit defensively. We just made an we just made an error to concede, so that's the issue. But attacking wise, we were shit. Very, very, we were very rubbish. We're when cheap, we had the ball, we didn't even know what to do. Shameful. We it was basically uh, basically come out in and paint so ISO. <laughs> <laughs> like fam, no, nah, it was legit Kamaldino oh, ISO all the time. Like every single attack, Kamaldino paintstool, Kamaldino paintstool. That's it. Like there's no thinking to there's no thinking to our offense. It's just like get the ball to the wingers, and because they because they play in Europe, because they're in Europe's top whatever leagues, let them do whatever, let them do what they do at club level. It, it doesn't run like that. It can't run like that. Like because you notice, I can't. Who? T- someone in here tweeted it. I think. Um. We don't use the system that they use at club level. Okay, your winger is good at beating men. He needs his fullback to overlap. Yeah. So Our fullbacks do not where know what overlapping is. We all saw oh. where the Ghanaian fullbacks were today. Oh. They have no clue what an overlap is. Oh. Would you say that was instruction or do you think that's just them not being confident? It has to be. It has to be. I think, okay. I think both. I think both. It's both, exactly. Mm. I think it's both. It's, I think it's, it's a mix. It's, it's a mix. Because in yeah. Europe, you try that, you, you don't overlap as a fullback you don't you don't offer an attacking diversion so that there's more space for your winger to either mm. complete his pass or complete his dribble your coach will let you know bro we see it so many times at club level like, there's guys there's fullbacks that don't attack and they get grilled for it like bro especially it's fam awb perfect example bro doesn't go forward even if he does go for this but it's so horrible bro for, bro like we're <laughs> I in, need, we're I need in to it. see that guy in a, in a drc shirt I need to see him in the DRC show. He <laughs> needs to tell himself the truth, man. A couple of weeks ago, he got lying to himself. He's not being real. Well, them guys need to oh. play for Congo, man. I think, no, the thing, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, 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 I and the thing is, the funniest thing is, like, he now he's answering the different the different surname now. We've we found out that all of that was Cap. But he's now claiming, or basically, I think he's claiming complete ignorance in the situation. And whilst I don't blame him for what's happened, I can't believe that, man. Like, sadly. Like, he's saying, he's saying he had no idea of what happened with the coaching and all that. Yeah. It was beneficial and the fact that apparently like um it was only by a year that it was changed wait what what, what situation is this so basically um he had a you know you know the stuttgart winger mm-hmm. yeah um so basically he came into the country or came into germany as silas wamangi tuka 
Yeah. And a lot of Congolese people were saying, we don't know that kind of name, bro. What's Wamangi Tupper? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't no oh. Congolese name. So it then came out that he'd then been suspended and he had not been called up for Congo. And a lot of people are saying, this guy's he's one of the best wingers in Germany. He's getting goals. He's getting assists. He's contributing in sort of progress in the play. He's an outlet. He's good in the first, um, receiving the ball, second phase, combining, and then dribbling out. And we lack that in Congolese football. But he wasn't getting call-ups for some reason. So they then asked the FA. The FA said, look, man, we can't call this guy up because this guy is HG. They oh, then referred wow. him back to the German FA, who then investigated. The whole thing came down. He then served a ban that I think has like only just ended or something. Like a month and a half ago, two months ago. Yeah. Yeah, um, and basically, it was because apparently he had an agent back when he was in France, and the agent helped him get from Congo to France. Um, and then in order to sort of bypass whatever labor laws or whatever, he made him a year younger than he was and also changed his surname to Wamangi Tuka. And it then makes sense because it's probably, yeah, it's a white man coming up with some sort of variant of what he thinks is an African surname. But a lot of Congolese people and people in the football there said, look, there's no way he didn't know. And he got a shortened sort of ban based on the ignorance plea. Mm. But this is such a common phenomenon in African football in terms of we, we, we don't even need to go into it again, but age contortion in order for it to be sort of i don't know you to be seen as a more attractive prospect by whatever european club is picking you up and i understand it to be honest if you've not got the proper training um you've been playing at a level where you know you're good enough to make it pro but if for instance you come to a european club and you tell them you're 25 rather than 20 nobody wants to yeah it's, it's it's you know it's a thing of where agents and players want to think about their career because as an agent if you know your players got talent but you have a feeling obviously it's, it's just a it's just a bad thing to go through but like you know a player's got a certain age, at a certain age and that like, you know what bro you can definitely make it at a certain level but I've now got to reduce your age or whatever I've got to make you look I've got to make you younger than you actually are just to get this. it's 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 peak and I don't know I don't know if that's um I don't know if that's down to clubs or if that's just down to like the nature of football like if it's a thing where because they're older you don't you just don't want to bother taking them on even though you, even though you can see that they're good it's like age is what puts you off i can speak to it a little because i played academy ball in nigeria um between the ages of 10 to 13 and then i moved back to europe um then yeah got got everything with qpr and all um but i remember I, it was a tournament we played. Um, we were playing various teams from across Africa, the West, the sort of West African region. And my team was age cheating. I was <coughs> 13, I was 13 plus playing in an under 13s tournament. It wasn't even like, oh, yeah, you're the same age. It was specified you had to be 12. Oh, and I know wow. I played. And then, but we got absolutely physically mauled by the other teams. Just, it was something I'd never seen before. And I was like, right, these guys are better than me, but something seems wrong. And our coaches were like, yeah, boys, don't worry. You lost, but they're all 16, 17. What? Um, 
basically <laughs> what happens is if you join an academy in Nike, you're in a situation where it's the coaches know that there's so many players that are talented. They've seen so many good players. So they tell younger players to wait their turn. Doctor, you know, fix your certificate, mm. come back later, so that we can at least make sure that this current crop that we've got are able to come out of there. Because we know, for example, if they get money and a lot of the um, coaches, a lot of the guys running the centres, they get direct sort of income off what the progress that their boys make, whether it be transfers or whether it is regional competitions. So why, if everybody else is playing 21-year-olds in the under-17, why would you then go and play real 17-year-olds? Your pocket's going to be dry. You're going to lose your job. Mm. It's not beneficial. And I don't blame anybody. I don't think there's a mark on people's character. I think it's just, it's a victim of the cycle of African football now because where we feel that, all right, the players are aware, the infrastructure can't give them the same training that they've got in Europe or in South America. So they need to then make and find their own alternatives. And until we can build an infrastructure that allows them to completely go through this without having to go through any of these weird doctoring processes where we can have players that have been born and raised in Nige, they're in an academy by the age of six. They're being trained, let's say, by Sharks FC, Dolphins, Worry Wolves, whatever you want to call it. They're there until they're 15. At 15, they start playing for the Nigerian under-17s. International teams can start looking at them and scouting. They're then still in the same academy until they're 17, 18. Then they get their big move. Things that we can trace back, things where we know the player has records here, 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 and here. Because that's how it should function. What other players do you look to and you're looking back at the player's history and you can't see where they played between the ages of 5 and 17? It's documentation and it's just reflecting our society because we don't have those documents in other parts, but it causes these breaks and our players are victims of these type of things. So I feel like we need to change the debate from in terms of sort of saying, all right, people have bad character or they tried to age cheat or something like that and realizing why they do it. And until that happens, we're in a tough spot. Yeah, man, African football is just, there's, there's so much that we obviously as spectators want everything to be better, but just so much things to go on. It's like, bro, we can understand to a certain degree why it's certain things like, like age cheating is one thing that I can I can understand to a certain degree why it happens and obviously I'm not I'm not saying that I agree with it but at the same time it, it then goes back down it sometimes goes back down to clubs like you can see a person's talented but because of their age or because you don't know much about them you're thinking you know what I'm not really trying to take you on so unless you've got proven this is and that I'm not really going to take you on and you're essentially essentially it could be a thing where a club's missing out on someone good or a player just now another another lost talent where they've had their time and just like they just unfortunately didn't make it. I ain't gonna make any accusations in public or anything, but I'll I'll DM you after this. There's one particular player, Dan's knows instantly who I'm talking about. He's playing <laughs> in the PL right and he's oh, a confirmed one. Like I oh, know man. his real age. And oh. he's I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised from uh I've, maybe I've gone too far now. But <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, bro. Like, I, it, it just stuff like this doesn't even surprise me. I'm. I'm sure people can actually find a way to bypass it in any way, shape, or form. Bro. It's, if, if you can't, for instance, because in some areas of Nige, if you don't have, you you will have a birth certificate. However, it's quite easy to doctor. 
every everything works that way. You know, you need something made for you. Slip the guy twenty k. They sort it. Yeah, yeah, that's easy. And then the best thing that you can do with that is then you can also change your surname so that your brother's with somebody else. Then both of you, the coaches see that and they're like, "All right, we can send this pair off to Europe." And that's what happened with the Diallo brothers. Yeah, brother, didn't Most, um, like, he, I don't blame was, him. Was it? Was it? Um, he was a he was a Diallo tri tri and then he just dropped the triore name. He dropped the he dropped the his what so what what what's his name now? So what, what, now what, now what, it's now it's Amad Diallo, but but we like we refer to him as Amad. So we, but we, we, came, we, came in, we all thought it was a mad triori. Yeah, we all, he, we yeah. all thought it was a mad triori, and then he came right here, and then he dropped the triori, and then now it's now it's a mad yellow, but we all just we all just call him a mad. Like we just we don't even just call him his first name. That is that is something. But the thing is, I saw people from time saying like this this brother thing's a bit fishy because I don't think they even follow each other on socials. They don't really interact. It's just like bro, and you get you get like the occasional post of him of him um. Shouting his boy, or no, shouting his brother, like this is like what that like, it, it just seemed it just seemed a mad mad fishy fam. But I don't once again I don't. How else is he gonna get to? He's he came as a refugee. Yeah, that's yeah. He was a refugee. How else then... is he gonna give himself the opportunity to develop? He knows they sent him off. It was intentional. They knew that they needed to get this boy out the country and playing regularly somewhere with good training and shit like that because he needed to develop. So what? How he's, he's, how he's got talent. He's got a lot of talent as well, bro. Oh no, you did something wrong. Oh no, you go. It's, it's, it's immoral or whatever. You know, like he's, he's, he's got so much talent as well, bro. It's just like, bro, it, it's it's sad that we've got a lot of talented ballers that have to go through this kind of thing in our in our continent. Like, it's so peak because these these men don't get the same opportunities that players from Europe or South America do. Like, it's it's a lot different. It's a lot harder for for us as a nation or as a as a continent to really progress because we've always got players that don't get their chance and then we also got FAs and governments doing all this Fugazi stuff and it's just like bro if we really want to be top dogs in this football stuff things have to change from the top and that's literally from from governments in fact has to change not even just FAs governments as a whole it, like I don't me personally I can't see I can't even see when this would happen because I don't I can't see it happening in my lifetime because I it's just like it's too ingrained. It's for, yeah, it's way it's too ingrained. It's, it's been going on for generations and generations and generations. Like, when is it finally going to be time where we like, cool, we're stopping this stuff? I can't see it. Yeah, it's just because it's yeah. like you heard about you heard about um. Okay, I don't know about you, but did you hear about Rashidi Yakini dying? Yeah, I did. And Rashidi Yakini supposedly the coroner's report said he died of natural causes at the age of forty-seven. All right. Damn. So, they think he's older than he portrayed himself to be. He had to have been. Had to. Like, it's and I don't sad. blame it's him. Crazy. But the thing is, then, like, it also, you then also, you then start to think about other things. Nigeria has a population of 150 mil. How have we not had one single properly world class footballer when the whole country plays ball? Yeah, yeah, you have to think about it like that. You have to think and about it like that. And bro, it's like bro. we were saying, like, I'm not going to say these players would have been world class or something like that, but we've had good, talented youngsters. But the pattern mm -hmm. is, once they get that exposure to like Europe, they just fall off. It's one of the reasons why initially I used to get so annoyed at Kletchi and Nacho. He's finally improved, but if you watched him at under 17 level, boy, 
was he good? Like really he was good. Supposed to be that. Not not even he was. Remember when we used to do the Rashford versus? Bro, United? we used to compare yeah. him to Rashford. Yeah. Oh, back I don't day, know if you remember. You know Rashford is coming up. Like everyone. It's not. It's not that far off now, is it? It was. It was literally that. That was a comparison. He'd be playing for City. He'd come off the bench. He scored on his debut against Palace. And he was scoring goals contrary. And once he got to Leicester, like yeah, fam, he was good, fam. Yeah, I think he was good, bro. And I was just like, this is why I can't put stocks in a lot of you guys because it's as soon as you lot get the bread, you get comfortable. You just there's no motivation for you lot to improve, and it's it's annoying because you lot are really good. Like you you win like under seventeen for bants. Once you get your big move, you're just like, all right, fuck fuck this football team. It's now a job. It's not um, it's not something I have a passion for anymore. It's it's annoying. Yeah, it's just it's just too ingrained in a lot of people, man. It's just, it's just like, mm, like I'm gonna do this when I need to, and then I'm just gonna have to flip in thing, bro. I'm just gonna relax and take a bit of a take a bit of a break once the once the real money comes through. It's just like, yeah. bro, if, if you are really, to see him, love him if you're serious, Mufia higher peaked at Atletico Madrid B. What's that? It's true. Um, basically, there's this attacking midfielder that we had in the Nigerian under 17s and under 20s called Musa Yahaya. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, was bro. This this Don did a Rabona through ball with backspin on it straight into the man's path for one of the best assists I've seen in any form of football, wherever. And I know, right, it's one isolated incident, but that whole tournament, every touch that he took, it just seemed like this boy was destined like for so, so. something. And I think he went that, to Spurs. He went to Spurs. He never he never played a single minute in the top division of any European league. Exactly. And like, I don't, I don't know whether we we just have a problem in terms of obviously that we we have to have a problem in terms of bringing talents from that first under seventeen to the next level. Um, I don't know personally what we're gonna do. It's I think it's like Corn said it several times in the pod. It's just like it's a top down thing. It's where like if the governments are corrupt, the federations are gonna be corrupt. If the mm-hmm. federations are corrupt. The coaches are going to be corrupt, and they're going to instill this money, money, money mindset into these players, and that's when, um, that's where you have the situation where you get players like Musa Yahaya, players like Musa Mohammed, players like in the court, like you get all these Nigerian, Ghanaian, Ivorian, even like all these players. Just as soon as they get that bit of money, they just fall down, they just fall off, and it's annoying. Like it's frustrating, and it just needs to be something that can be improved on because. Talent-wise, we're not far off Europe at all. We're not far off at all. Do you, do you, do you think we're far off? Do you, like, like, let's be very honest. In terms of pure talent, as I, hate a, as putting, a continent. I hate putting shit down to things like this. Do you not think we're at least level in terms of what we could... Look, bro, yeah. how many how many Nigerian... Look, look, so, oh. look at this. How many half Nigerian players or Nigerian players or Ghanaian players or players with dual nationalities... Dual nationals, bro. With European teams, European nations, and... Looking like world beaters. Mm, is that yeah. instance, Jamaica, look, if Jamaica put out the strongest possible squad that they could, they've got ballers, bro. Isn't Damari Gray switching? Yeah. yeah. I'm talking, yeah. but then those guys are developed where? In the UK, in Europe. Yeah. In Europe. There's something wrong with our infrastructure that is limiting players. Like, we're stopping them from being able to learn all the skills that they need to carve out not just bright sparks in their career and high peaks, but we're looking for consistent careers. We want more African players playing consistently and having long careers, injury-free, um, with ability to look back on things 
I think we don't have many. Go on. We struggle with longevity unless it's guys like Mikel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's once in how many people. But I feel like it's a question of like with Chelsea, it's not just developing the player as a footballer; it's developing them as a person. Whereby they they want to improve themselves, not because they've just got the money. They just want to. They actually just want to improve as a person, as a player. You can't just be. You can't. It's not just as simple as just like, oh, we're gonna make you like better passer. We want it. It's a question of improving these lots of mindsets and. Because we have improved their mindsets, that's why they just they're very quickly to fall off. Any setback, they're just like, you know what, I'll live out a nomadic career because I'm still collecting a decent amount of money. If you get what I'm saying. Mm. So it's it's important for these federations not to just develop players as players, but as people as well. Whereby you focusing on their mindset to be like, uh, you see, like Ronaldo, for instance. You see how driven that guy is. Like first in training, last out. First in training, last out of training. That sort of thing. We need to instill that African players a bit more. Yeah, but how? But how can we do that if the people who are meant to be teaching yeah, them don't have it themselves? That's the thing. Not just that, but our societies. Look, they're coming. If an African footballer makes it out, like how many African footballers are from like wealthy African families or from families with mm. with, with what do you call it, um, affluence or families who you know them type of families that have one house in the UK, but they live in Nigeria most of the time. That type of thing. We don't see any stories like that. The only guy I actually know is Dele Ali, and that's even still because he's half half. He's he's got a Nigerian dad and then obviously an English mom. But he lived in Lagos for two, three years, played football there. Um, but we don't have guys who are coming from that sort of I don't know background, and it then means that look. What does football matter? What what do what do winning games matter when you're trying to put bread on the family on on the table for your family? Exactly. All that yeah, bro. It's like any day. I'm still getting I'm still getting paid my weekly. Isn't it? I'm still getting paid whatever. So whether I play good or play bad, whether we win or lose, I'm still getting paid. So I've I've got my I've got what I need here. I it's like, like no, I'm go ahead. It's like sorry. It's like there's an example of like Asokoto like. Fans grilled, but he basically just came out in his view one set one day and said like football's just he was real. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. He just like I don't. What is he said? He said he said he fell out. He said he fell out, he said he fell out of love with football time ago. He, no, just, he said he, he said he straight off the job, bro. He said he don't watch the game. Yeah. He said um he's gonna collect his salaries. That's what he's there for. He's good at the thing, but it doesn't mean that he likes it. Yeah, that's that's literally it, and that's the mentality a lot. I feel like a lot of African players can have at the time. Sometimes it's understandable due to the fact like they have grown up in poverty, but I feel like they could be so much more than they show at times, and that's what's just annoying for me. Like I just don't like wasting potential, and it's just a very common thing among African players. Yeah, so annoying, man. Like, bruv, all the what I was talking about, all the dual national players, like, the ones who have grown up in Europe, only to developed in Europe and everything, like mm. they're because of where they've grown up and their treasure there. It's like, bro, you you can be such a talent, but. The question mm. is, even for for us as African nations, the question is, will you come back to like, how connected are you to your home nation? Like, mm. like are you gonna like people like Jeremy from Pong, guys like um SA and all that stuff? Like, how much do you actually want to play for your home country rather than the country you grew up in or the country you developed in? More so, like, didn't Jeremy yeah. Frimpong mm-hmm. say he's more connected to to the Dutch national team? No, bro. Well, Jeremy Frimpong says some of the maddest stuff here, and I remember the whole fallout well, here because okay, so basically. Um, he said the he's been keep in mind, yeah, he doesn't speak Dutch at all. 
He does not speak Dutch. He was born in the Netherlands, yeah? Then went and lived in the UK. And he said he's going to play for the Netherlands because he was born in the Netherlands. And I'm just thinking, like... Where's he from, like, African-wise? Ghana. Ghana, Ghana, And I'm like... Look, I don't want to tell anybody how to live their life. I understand why people might make certain decisions. But, look, you can't tell me a lot of the people playing for dual nationalities and stuff don't do it because of social conditioning and stuff which makes them less aware of things or reasons which should make them not want to play for their original <coughs> or like not original but their European team because for example I know it's very easy for someone like me to say because yeah I'm not a professional baller at the end of the day but I'd mm, prefer to play yeah. for Nigeria over England or over Holland because look I know the atrocities England done, so I don't want no part in that, you know? And I feel like as people learn more and are educated more, I think we'll see more and more players start to make that switch because of this. Yeah, I, I hope that more players, because we've seen, we've obviously seen like a lot of, we've seen a few of the Nigerian players starting to like, you know, I want to go. They're like, yeah, I want to go and then come play for Nigeria. And you've obviously seen that guy that Damari Gray, um, Antonio, Ravel Morrison, them not all going back to Jamaica. Like, I feel like in in due time, I don't know how long it'll take, but there will there will be a time where guys are like you know what, I'm gonna go home and just play for my home country because not because it's not because it's the only thing I have left, but because I actually wanna yeah. I actually have a connection. Like with Zaha, like Zaha was like Zaha got to a point where it's like you know what, England didn't form me. I was born in I've, I was born in Ivory Coast. Let me go back home and actually yeah. play football there. Fam. Yeah, we need to have these players not think of it as like a last resort and actually want to feel that. Like, we need them to actually be like, yeah, I actually want to play for you. Not because, oh, I can't get to get play for England or France or Germany, whatever it is. Yeah, like, bro, look at... Yeah. Dens, fam, look at... um, What's it called? Force you mental, bro. I never seen that guy post anything in Ghana, really. In the last, like, two, three years, I've seen him posting hella Ghana-related stuff because yeah. F, cause yeah. the FIFA changed the rule of being able to play for your um, another nation if you haven't but played I like that rule change. Years, I like that rule change. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I, love, I love that rule change. A lot of players are making these decisions at 18, 17, 18, oh, 19 years old. It's conditioning. It's, it's, condi- it's the conditioning. Like, it's conditioning. Oh. You get told, like, guys like, um, I'm sure, pe- I feel like guys like Tammy and maybe Tomori would run, would, would, I think Tomori said he'd, he'd want to play for Nige, but I can't, I can't with the conversation. They didn't was, call but, him, I don't think. Yeah, I think, I think that might be the thing, that he wanted to play for Nige, but they didn't really call him, so it was England. Tammy, probably another one that probably would play for Nige. It's like, bro... I think they did speak to Tammy, but like, he's Tammy was not keen. Yeah. Oh, is it? He Tammy, Tammy's one of those who, like, yeah, he wants to, he saw himself playing for England and wants to play for England. And, like, the other thing is, you know, I think same can, with Saka as well. Yeah, we can, yeah, man, we can think of some examples. Like, it's, it's a combo of factors, and we go back to that same, like, I don't know, multi, multi factored, like, analysis of it. One, you think of, um, all right, the examples that we have. Aubameyang is being paid literal millions to play for Gabon. Because he's, he's the star player, man. That's he has to, look, that's the way that they were going to be able to tempt him to make that decision. And so that it then serves as like, I don't know, like a pre-marker and other players can see that and be like, right, why would I play? For, why? Look, if they got a... Pay this man to play for his country. Why, yeah, if, why you, would you know, I... if you if you got clear favorites, then why am I gonna come here? Like, cause you got favorites, so and you call me up. Chances are I might not even play. 
and it's just chaos as well, really, when you get called yeah. up. Like flights, <laughs> flights, exactly. bonus payments. Like I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure, like all of us, like our countries, there's always been like a bonus round thing. Yeah, wasn't wasn't it recent? Wasn't it like somewhere towards the end of last year? I think um, the Gabon players something. Oh, they're trying to do an airport. They, 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 they had did issues. It. Yeah, every single like, had, African country has it. I like they had issues at the airport and like, yo, come on, man, like, come on, bro, bro. Um, Nigeria had the Olympics um in 2016 because of bonus payments or something. They didn't fly out. So they flied out when they flew out. It was 12 hours before that their first fixture. They won the first game. It's against Japan, one five four, but you get you get the point. Like, there's so much chaos. Like, deep. If you're playing like international tournament, you want to be in the country ideally, like two one, so you can acclimatize, prepare all of that. Start we, training, arrived, man. we arrived 13 hours before we were meant to play our first game. I think Mikel had to help pay for the flights. Do you remember World Cup 2014? Oh, was it? Oh, no, the France no, game. They said initially, World no World Cup 2014. They said they're not going to play straight up. Mm-hmm. And then, then because no, no bonuses of any sort had been paid, nothing. Yeah. So then man said, "Now nah, we're not playing." And then in the end, Mikel ended up paying the bonuses again. And it's just like if you think about it, also from his perspective, you think about other like good African players. So Mikel, Mikel, Mikel doesn't need to. Mikel didn't need to do that as well. Like it's just like yeah, bro. he had to come out of his own pocket. If it was somebody else, they could just have gone, "All right, fuck it, man. You man are on your own now." Like yeah, that's it, bro. That's it, man. Like and even it's... um Kojo and Kojo and Dens, bro, flipping was oh, I can't remember what cup it was, but that picture of John Boy kissing the video of John Boy and everyone kissing the money. Blood. That year. Before, yeah. before your Portugal game. I, I yeah, think I remember so. seeing and and he was oh that game. And that's I mean, the, oh, the mentality so... that's ingrained in a lot of these men. Guys out here after the match, I'm just seeing he a video. Got caught live, all kissing cash, bro. I said, no way. He's I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, man. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't blame him though. He didn't know the guy was there <laughs> taking the <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, it's like you have to understand. Like this is why Nigeria started to call up like home based players under Keshi. It's like it's a privilege and an honor to play for your country. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't think you should get like maybe they should pay for your flights and stuff and the accommodation, but you shouldn't feel the need to get paid to pay for your country. In a country where, like, Nigeria is, like, 200 million people, why, you're one of the selected few to play, why do you feel the need to get paid for? Like, there's several home-based players that will be happy to play for their country, they're hungry mm. to play for their country, and you're just there saying, I'm not going to play because I'm not being paid. It's just a very yeah, common cool mindset. Yeah, I, I always say, if I was professional for I'd love to play for Ghana, just because, just because, yeah. like, I know what it is. Even though, like, I won't say I don't feel connected, but, like, me, I, I can't really speak the language, I can't really understand it, but I still want to play for Ghana because that's my yeah. home, like, um, what was it? Um, Inaki Williams. He doesn't want to. Play. I can't. Why he said he doesn't want to play for Ghana? I can't remember the reason. But it's like, bro, like, we need a striker. You, you're not playing this. You're not playing national football to a, a, with a recognized um, FIFA nation. And it's just like, bro, like, and you, you got, you got your mom coming into me saying, oh, like, you eat fufu before matches, or you eat fufu here, like bears, blah, blah. But I'm like, come on, like, there's, you can't tell me there isn't a connection where, like. Even just something just as small as food eating on a regular basis, and like that's like that's his favorite food and whatever. Like, come on, like, wait, well, Zanaki Williams got in, yeah, he's he's done done in. Speak English at all, yeah, probably definitely does. His, I think his, so. his dad, his his mom is gone in, his dad is Sierra Leonean, both okay. of them. Oh, is it in African countries? I hope they had to speak English, but the thing is, like, I can't speak for like, other people, but I feel like the European diaspora from like Nigeria and England, I mean, for Nigeria like, and Ghana, like. They're more connected to the country, like if it's like European. Yeah, they like, wouldn't. Yeah, 
So like with England, yeah. like with English Nigerians, like so I'm obviously Nigerian, born in England. Like I still kept my roots of Nigeria through my yeah. friends. I'm sure it's you, it's the same with you guys in Ghana. But I feel like those ones that like the diaspora that's not English that have like Germans, French, or whatever, they're more connected to that to that nationality. Yeah, I don't. That's that's another. That's the thing that that's even for another point, like another conversation. But like I'm, I just feel like people when we're here, like. You see how us, we like, the first thing we say, like, if someone asks you, oh, where are you from? We say, oh, we say we're African or exactly. wherever we're from. But then when it comes to guys outside, they're like, no, I'm German or I'm, I'm, I'm Dutch or, or I'm Italian. Like, it, I find it so weird. I don't I don't understand the psychology towards it. But like, with us in the UK, we was just like, yo, we don't necessarily identify with the country we're born in. We get to with who our parents are from. That's our, that's our country. But it's that same social like conditioning that I was talking about earlier though. Like I feel like things are changing because let's let's be honest, we know the state of what um first of all, how being African even was viewed as recently as twenty ten ish. The jokes mm. that you put on in school and things like yeah. that. Um let me be honest, also like as a like moving from UK and then settling in like Amsterdam, which is supposedly mad progressive, etc. Fam. <laughs> Racism in continental Europe and the way that kids experience it is so much deeper than in the UK. Like, of yeah. course, it's bad in the UK. And of course, it's like debilitating and you think about it in so many different facets. And it's like, but there's just more black consciousness in the UK than in continental Europe. Yeah. That's just how it is. So you get more, I know I can't use the word here because it's a podcast, but you know what I'm getting to like a certain type mm-hmm. of black person, yeah, you're much more likely to find them outside the UK yeah. than in the UK. I hear because it. And I don't like, of course, you can say, yeah, they need to change and stuff like that. And I, yeah, obviously, when you meet them, you're like, right, this man is lost. But at the end of the day, is social conditioning that puts people in yeah, these like, where I they feel like with, with us here, we're just we're we're a lot more conscious of what we're doing, and we're a lot more conscious of we're a lot more conscious of who we actually are. And like our backgrounds and stuff, like a lot of people else, and we there's a, there's more of us. We're around, we're around a lot more of us. Like it's yeah, probably, it might not be the same, it might not be the same as people in like in Europe, like but in UK, bro, if you grow up around people that are the same color as you, like around Europe, it's not the same. Even some parts of this country, it's not the same. But no, like, you got hoods, you got hoods in Europe, though. People grow up in their own sectors, but it's just like the way that blackness is perceived in different mm, places. Like, yeah, France yeah. has a lot of black people, but I guarantee you the way like France French anti blackness is, we all know it's different to UK. We see the dons relaxing their hair and all that type of stuff. It was different. The way that, like, I don't know how or why it happened. I think maybe it's just because the UK's black population was there first, before mm. all the other European places. So they had time to build up their consciousness. They had time to, like, start looking at their past and identifying, all right, this is how this has affected us in this way. This is how we can look past it. Yeah, I'm British, but I'm also this. Let me know yeah. my truth, like, um origins or whatever and apply that to how i view the world how i do things and it's just different in europe man i hear so many crazy things from black people here and i'm like damn that would not fly back in the uk like there's there's a type of awareness that people here just don't quite have it's coming slowly and i feel like the whole social justice movement whatever like kick-started that sort of thought in people's brains but europe is behind and I feel like until we can start to get to that, you're not going to be convincing some of these ballers to go back and play for Nigeria, man. Mm-hmm. They've only just stopped relaxing their hair. They're not that far in the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, they're just they're just not here like that, bro. 
They're yeah, honestly just not, not here yet. Yeah, that's not that's not that's not what concerns them, man. And then they hear the stories on top of that. They be like, oh shit, they age cheap in Nigeria. They don't pay the bonus on time. From that on, it's then hardwired in their brain. They yeah. can't even make terrible pictures yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You just you just you just go with you just go with the crowd. You just go with what you see. You don't, you don't really look into it. You don't really like something. You don't really care about a certain point. It's like, bro, I'm seeing a bad pitch. I don't care about it. I'm I'm not bothered. Like, let me let me play somewhere where there's where there's good pitches and good infrastructure. Blah blah. Like, I just think people just some people just don't care anymore, man. Like they just it's just a thing where just really the conditioning thing. It's just like you see one thing and then that's your mind made up. You're not really gonna try and even understand it to any degree. Like it's just. That's how it. That you're just gonna say that that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, fam, we're going for an hour and forty. I don't know how we went. Did, we went from Afcon to just Africa in general, but bro. we didn't even we didn't even get through like the checkpoints <laughs> at all. But this is this is podcast it happens all the time, bro. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, fam, this is actually this is actually a very very insightful episode, man. Um, thank you guys again for it, coming on this. Um, if you guys if you guys any got anything to shout. out, yeah, feel free, please. Well, before we leave, yeah. everybody go at least give their like their tournament winner, your dark horse, your top goal scorer. All right, let, let, let's let's stop. Let's even start with you, Slim. Let's run through it with me. Yeah, I mean, you're the one brought Let's start with you, bro. All right, all right, all right. Um, I, I think the huh, <laughs> I can't believe what I'm about to say, but I think Niger gonna win this tournament, bro. Hey, I don't speak know. from the heart. Aye. I might never. It's recorded. This is recorded, so but I might. I might never put it. Let me take. Let me take that all back. I no, might no, never put it. Done, bro. It's done. That's your. That's your answer, bro. That's your answer, dog. Bro, oh man, now we now we're gonna lose to Egypt three 0 or something straight out the gate, man. Bro, bro, you shouldn't be surprised if we do. Nigeria, like notoriously slow starters. I bet it's it's not good. We draw. We've got this here, bro. Do you remember? Do you remember when we lo- we won the last Afcon? We finished second in our group, and then we had to face that strong Cote d'Ivoire side, and everyone was like, "Ah, uh, we're bro." Beat. People forget that, like, when we won the Afcon, we were ten minutes away from being knocked out, if not for two victims Moses penalties. <laughs> Can you imagine, bro? Can you what imagine I say about that? Afcon is so unpredictable. Yeah, man. All right, so Golden Boot winner. I think he started off strong on them two pens. I feel like that group is easy. He's going to load up in there. Whether they make it out and he continues to score, I don't know. But Big Vic Abubakar. Yep. Yeah. That's my golden That's boot cool. winner. I'm a player of the tournament. Man. <clears throat> I'll be playing a ball today, but I don't think I should be taking all that stuff into account just yet. Um... Player of the tournament. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Mares, man. Yeah, Algeria won it last time round, but I think I think Mares is I think Mares is probably gonna cook this year round, man. I can't lie. Yeah, I think he, I think he's coming into this tournament on good form. The Algerian team is one of the most cohesive in the tournament. We'll see how they are against some of the other deep blocks, but I back him to contribute quite heavily and just. Be that talisman that we expected. I'm not sure how Salah will do. Calm. Um, Eureka, what do we do? So, winners, Golden Boot winners, and what was the last one we did? Uh, uh, you know, it was supposed to be Dark Horse. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Dark Horse. Oh, uh, yeah, Dark Horse. 
Dark Horse for the tournament. Um, Mali. No. Yeah, I'll go Mali. Yeah, Mali's team's going good for me. Yeah, Eureka. Uh, yeah, winners, Golden Boot winner and Dark Horse. Uh, winners, I'm having, uh, I think Morocco might have a shout. I think Morocco mm-hmm. might, might That's go interesting. I think Morocco That's interesting. They have a very good team, obviously without ZX, but I feel like uh, distribution, especially distribution uh, in that team will go, will go, definitely go up a notch with Imran Loza and so far, oh, Bufal in form. I think they're really, they're, they look like a really solid side. I think that they might go all the way. They might even play the final without with Algeria. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> player of the tournament, I'm still backing Mane. I'm Mane. still backing Mane. I think, I think this is Mane's year. I've, this is Mane's AFCON. I think he, for, for what I've seen today, it just looked... Um, uh, you know, really, he really blends in with the, with Afcon nature. If you know what I mean, like yeah. he, he's, his his demeanor is literally yeah. Afcon. <laughs> he's really a proper Afcon winger. If yeah, if that if such thing exists, uh, but yeah, that's he's he's gonna be. I think he's he's gonna be player of the tournament and top goal scorer. Um, that's a that's a very difficult one because Sebastian Haller has not kicked the football yet so mm. um that's that was my that that is my pick but I I heard Slim talk about Abubakar and then I kind of agree with that as well but I'm still sticking with Haller I think he's he's gonna be top also nice um Denz um winners I'm going I got down Algeria and Morocco um Player of the tournament, I'm I'm sticking with Mali, man. I'm sticking with Mali. Um, Dark horses, I got down Mali, and I like the look of Guinea. I like some of their players they got, especially in the midfield. That midfield hard, yeah. man. Bro, Daiwara, Keita, Elish. They got Mohamed Bayer as well. Why don't you touch pitch like that for them? You don't. You don't start. You sure? Did he start today? Um, let me check. Why are you checking? Let me check the let me check the Gabon score. Yeah, you started, bro. Oh shit, man. That's calm then. Now that's a serious team, bro. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Even aside from that, Gabon won, so there's a there's a chance that we can still go second place, bro. What was the no, Gabon, Gabon score? Not good for you, lot. Gabon Gabon won one 0 and that was it. No, I do <laughs> I do I do think it was a draw, but we'll see in it. I think we we just got beat Com- we just got beat um Gabon or at least get a draw and then beat Comrade and that's it. We mm. set. Um OP, uh winners, dark horses and player tournament. No, no, not player tournament. Uh goals, top goal scorer. Winner winners, I'm gonna say Algeria because that last AFCON, they're like the best. They stood out for me. Like normally AFCON's are unpredictable, but they just stood out and I think they're gonna go again. I've seen like Senegal and Morocco today. Uh Dark Horses Mali, like I've heard really good things about them, and I had a look at their World Cup qualification stage, and they were they were unbeaten, and they didn't concede a goal. So I, I backed them, and I think Vincent Abubakar probably top scorer because I was speaking with Daniel. 
in another space and he was like to score two goals in your hardest game and then you've got Cape Verde in Ethiopia in the group stage I feel like yeah he, he'll probably do it and they're on home soil as well so yeah I'm backing him to be top scorer Nice Kojo a man of few words uh, So I say um, winner Algeria yeah because they're like they're like the best team on the continent you know they are beating on the Arab Cup <laughs> Which is crazy. Oh yeah. So um, player of the tournament. Um I I saw I saw some account that the last five winners haven't been like the main stars of the team. They are like they come out of nowhere. So I think Ben Asel won it or somebody else. Yeah, for Algeria last time. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, this year, if if Algeria wins it, I'll bet my money on Ben Rama. Uh, hmm. uh, top goal scorer, top goal scorer, Bakar because Cameroon is gonna get a lot of penalties <laughs> in the country. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wouldn't even be surprised that's even the thing, fam. But yeah, the dark, um... the dark horse, the dark horse. Uh, I'll say Ghana because we have time to get the shit together before. <laughs> oh, no. For your, your bear, your bear man than me, man. Go on, you might say Ghana, and you might want to keep the night winning the whole thing. You're a better man than me. I swear to you, bro. I cannot, oh, I cannot look at Ghana the same, man. Um, for me, winners, yeah, I'm just gonna go and say Algeria. I feel like they, they just, they just seem like the strongest team, man. Like it just make, it just would make sense they go back to back. Um, top goal scorer, I'm definitely saying Abubakar. Um, player to him and I will go with money. I feel like, yeah, like Eureka said, I think he does. I think this might actually be his his AFCON to really show, like, to really, not, not put himself on the continent, but to actually just show himself, like, yeah, like, bro, I, I am that guy from... And then Dark Horses, I probably will go with Mali as well. And I'm not going to say they're going to do anything too, like, too well, but I'm, after the first match, I was kind of actually, like, impressed with how Zimbabwe played against Senegal. So, um, was it Senegal? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm quite impressed how Zim played against Senegal. So I'm gonna I feel like they might possibly make round of sixteen at the very least. Like, I doubt I don't think they'll finish last, but maybe third place go through for in a first place thing. I really think I have some faith in Zimbabwe just based on that first match. So yeah. Well, well, um, players. Yeah. That I think I think they are missing one of their better players. But other than that, bro. Yeah. Billy at retired as well for the national team. Karma Billy at. Yeah, oh, fam. Like, yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah. Regardless, they're still doing they're still doing decent. But yeah, man, um once that was actually a long episode, but it was a good episode as well, bro. Very, very insightful. Once again, thank you guys for coming on. Um oh. if you got anyone anyone anything to shout out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys, my name's Opa. I do a podcast called Reactionary Blues, my Chelsea podcast. We release every Wednesday. Do spaces before and after games, and yeah. Hit us, listen to the podcast, listen to the latest Chelsea news, and we give our thoughts on the match. But yeah, thanks for having me on today, guys. By the way, it was a really insightful pod. Beauty. Anyone else? Not really. Nice. All right, calm. But yeah, um, podcasts, okay. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, all the same stuff I keep doing every week. But yeah, man, um, once again, thank you guys for coming on. And yeah, we'll be back next week, man. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs>
my pods on but yeah my pods on oh. apple music <laughs> i forgot that my pods on apple music um spotify and our eyes at reactionary blues on twitter instagram and tiktok yeah everything will be done everyone's ads will be down in the description to, um yeah. of youtube and spotify and all that stuff so yeah man thank you guys once again for coming on and we'll be back next week bro.